You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Welcome back, friends. Please make sure your pod seat and tray table are in their upright and locked position. The airlock has been sealed and docking clamps have been released for an on-time departure to the functional nerdverse. You know, I, I have to say, we don't often, usually you're the one who sort of comments upon the reaction to the Baby Yoda and the intro music and all of that, but I, I think that we've established a new peak positive vibe <laughs> reaction for coming into an episode here. So well done, Kevin Hearn, for for making sure we get the energy high for starters. This also oh, from a man who was up at late o'clock last night doing even more podcasting. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to be here. And of course, anytime I get to rock out with Baby Yoda... Well, well, that's a good time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Patrick is an excellent judge of with whom we should rock out. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. It's been a minute since we had you on uh, last time, and it's it's kind of exciting because previously when we had you on, we, we had you on to kind of talk shop about um, your continuing work in the sort of Iron Druid verse, and now we've got you on to kind of put a capper on the Seven Kennings, which... Uh, you just shared with us when we were green rooming a minute ago that the, A Curse of Krakens, the final volume in that trilogy, has hit uh, the bestseller list. So well done. Thank you so much. I'm 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 really happy. Uh, you know, and a little bit unexpected. So uh, I want to you know thank everybody who bought the book, whether you pre-ordered it or got it during release week. Uh, you know, it, it's super kind of you. And I've been hearing from folks that say they're really enjoying it. So uh, I couldn't be happier. That's fantastic. That was really fantastic. We were also talking about you being in Colorado actually really recently. We were like passing ships in the night there, I guess. What what brought you to Colorado? Well, I, I hadn't been there in a few years. In fact, uh, since I'd, I'd moved away. And uh, mm-hmm. so, it, it yeah, like six years. So um, I, I was missing it big time. And I actually started off my tour there. I did a, an appearance in Fort Collins and another one in Littleton. And, uh, you know, after that, kept on going Southwest, but, um, I, I love the mountains. I went to the post and had chicken and waffles and, uh, in Longmont, you know, uh, just back when I used to live there, um, saw some Buffalo. It's a great time. Did you, did you, uh, was it tattered cover or was it somewhere else? Uh, tattered cover in Littleton. Yeah. And then it yeah, was okay. old firehouse books in Fort Collins. Great indie store there. Nice. So the, yeah. uh, God, the tattered cover in Littleton, that's, was that Aspen Grove? Yes. I think. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So over on Santa Fe. Yeah. That's a nice one. That's a really nice one. I like that one. Yeah. It's a lovely store for sure. Mm-hmm. I think it's- so, I mean, it's, it's kind of fantastic to, to be at a place now in our, I don't know. I don't like labeling things as post pandemic because I, you know, we're, we're post, <laughs> we're post something, we're post something middle of something else. It always seems like, but it, it's kind of great to be back at a space where we're having uh, authors on who are able to talk about also being back out, you know, on the circuit, seeing their their readers face to face, being able to do events again, uh, but also still kind of taking advantage of the virtual verse as a way of reaching out to people. I think yeah, you know, we've theorized about this for a while on the podcast about what would end up happening to the kind of um, COVID-driven evolution of book culture and so on, and and what what would it would look like coming out the other side. Um, and I guess you're in a pretty good position to comment on that because this is not your first, this is not your first 
COVID-verse, post-COVID-verse rodeo of, of book promotion and, and being out on the circuit and sort of doing the virtual thing and doing the in-person thing. What, what do you make of it from your writer's end of things? Well, everybody's a little bit different on how they want to handle it. But what I personally do is um, I still wear a mask during the signing part. Mm-hmm. Um, and people can go ahead and take pictures with me or whatever, but I got a mask on. And that's just because I see so many folks. And mm-hmm. of course, the you know, the virus is staying sneaky and, you know, you can be appearing perfectly healthy and still be a carrier and be transmitting it because you just don't know you've got it. So um, I try to, to be careful with that. And I mask during the parts where folks are right up close with me. Uh, but then I, you know, I have it off while I'm um, presenting. And then I do not do cons anymore. I, I have, you know, kind of drawn that line because... Um, I was getting, you know, pr- pretty messed up from just the regular sorts of viruses that would go hey, around. Yeah. You know, Concred's a thing. It's a real it thing. I, every time I went to Worldcon, I was sick for three days after I came back, like miserably sick. Yeah. It, 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 those are just, you know, diseases waiting to happen, you know, like going to that event is like, I'm going to go get myself sick, you know, <laughs> it's, not, it's not worth it. So, yeah. and then you add COVID into that with, you know, the possibility of getting long COVID and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's just not yeah. worth it anymore. So I don't do cons, but I will do events because of, uh, I, I figured they're a little bit safer. First of all, yeah. you, you have people who read, and, and mm-hmm. also people who are reading science fiction and fantasy, which probably means they believe in science and they are, you know, <laughs> not going to be the sorts of people that get upset with, with masking or anything like that. Everybody's super yeah. nice. So um, they, they never, the bookstores never require a mask. They just say, hey, if you wouldn't mind wearing one, we'd appreciate it. And, and most people do. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very cool that way. And hopefully everybody remains safe. So that's the way I've chosen to approach it. Um, yeah. You know, I've been back a few days now, still feeling great. You know, it mm-hmm. seems to work. So, um, and I also did a, a whole bunch of tours, you know, last year for the reissue of the Iron Druid. Right. Um, I did four tours last year, you know, just, just little, little ones uh, around mm-hmm. the United States and, you know, didn't have a problem with any of them. So I think that's yeah. the way I'm going to go from, from now on. I want to support bookstores who desperately need uh, events to, to, you know, keep afloat and, mm-hmm. um, I, I think people do enjoy getting out a little bit, especially if they know they're going to be around other folks who read and who don't mind being safe, you know? So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Now, yeah. Did, I mean, did, you meant- did, I'm sorry. Did I see that you also, you also dragged Sir Luke Daniels along with you on some of these events? It was just one this particular time. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he, uh, he lives in Michigan. And so when okay. I had a Michigan event, he joined me for that and, my goodness, it was a blast. He, he, he's always a delight, just just you know, top to bottom. But he also uh, did a world premiere mm-hmm. of some new Oberon stuff that'll be coming out next year. So nice. um, he gave everybody a, a sneak preview of what's what's to come. I have a I have a friend uh, living in Japan, and he's he's been there since '99. We grew up together in California, and uh, he's going through some stuff and uh, medical stuff. And, and he's, he, he said, I need, I want to try audiobooks. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and he goes, and you're the guy, like you got it. And so I've been giving him lots of different stuff. And, and one of the ones I gave him was the Iron Druid books. And uh, he came back and he's like, oh my God, I love this guy. I love this voice. I love, like, he just, he, he got into it big time. I'm like, yeah, that's all Luke. I said, the writing is amazing and awesome. But when you hear Luke's voice put to it, it's just, it takes it to the next level. 
Uh, yeah. yeah. He's just, he's he just super chill. Yeah. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Luke Daniels, my audiobook narrator, has won like 13 something awards in the audiobook okay. realm. And uh, he's booked months and months in advance now because he is super popular and people love his stuff. So, um, yeah, definitely. I got lucky uh, being matched up with him because uh, you know, he was just starting out at the time as I, as you know, I was myself, but uh, mm-hmm. it was just a super lucky pairing and uh, couldn't be more grateful for that. And he does some of the, the narrative work for the seven Kennings audiobooks as well. Yeah, he does half the duty there. So yeah, uh, yeah. He, he does the men and uh, Exy does the women, Exy Sands. Mm-hmm. And, and he does the, the books that, that Kevin co-wrote with Delilah. Uh, and I absolutely adore those. Those are the, oh, thank those you. are just so damn funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I just love, they just, they invert all the fairy tale tropes on their heads mm-hmm. and they, they twist them around and uh, they're just so great. Yeah. Those so, are the, the tales of Pell. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I have yeah. a, I have a much beloved 12 year old daughter who's something of a reluctant reader. Like she's a good uh, consumer. Uh, of st- I didn't, I did not. I, I'm sorry, but you, you keep mm-hmm. saying like she continues to get older and I have not allowed that. Oh, well, uh, I got <laughs> terrible news for you. <laughs> every time she gets, every time she gets another birthday, I feel old. Oh, well, I, That's my heart fair. bleeds, Patrick, just uh. at the very thought. <laughs> That you should suffer I'm gonna, so. I'm going to spoil more TV shows for her. Put her on. Okay. I'm then, spoil some yeah, more shows. you go ahead. Just yeah, let's, for the, let's talk for the Clone audacity. Wars. Put her on. I want to talk to her about Clone Wars because there's some stuff that happens. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I'll go. I would get her, but she's she's going to a roller skating party right now because she's 12. And that's what you do when you're 12. <laughs> what I was going to say is she's a reluctant reader, although she's like, she's an avid consumer of stories in a kind of like, will binge a TV series and then wants to talk about all of the ins and outs of storytelling and character and whatnot. So I I take some comfort from that, but getting her to like really sink her teeth into a book has always been a challenge. Uh, But the Tales of Pell books uh, were, were not a hard sell for her at all. And I passed them to her and she was like, mom, so we got them from the local library and I'm like, just do it. And, and uh, I didn't even need to, to ask her whether or not she wanted to get, you know, the second book and so on. And so she was, she was there. She was there. She was like, mom, can you pre-order for the thingy? Yeah. So thingy. That's great. I'm so glad. Thank you for telling me that. That makes me happy. Oh. So if it, so if it gonna, doesn't. As you can say, are we going to release the crack under here or what are we going to do? I mean, that, that, that does seem like the thing to do given, given that we're, we're here to kind of talk about curse of Krakens. Um, so I guess this this is probably going to seem like a blatantly silly question, but okay. this is coming from a from a sincere, curious position as someone who's kind of always thinking about storytelling in one way or another. Um, this is hardly your first rodeo in writing, a, you know, a really substantial series. And the question I have, and I think I've encountered other people with this question too, is how do you know when a series ends? Like, are you the type of writer who goes into it going like, I know this is a trilogy because this is the shape of the story, or I know this is a trilogy because this is what I can get my publisher to agree to, or I I feel that this is a story that I need to tell and I am going to feel my way to its length, or I don't know. How, do, how does that operate for you? Well, for me, um, this was the 
the series that I always wanted to write. And it was always an epic fantasy trilogy in my mind. I just mm-hmm. I wanted to do the thing. I wanted to do an epic fantasy trilogy, but I also wanted it to be significantly different from others that I had seen. So structurally, this is an unusual epic fantasy for a lot of folks. They're surprised when they figure out that, oh my God, there are 11 different first person points of view in the first book alone. There's 22 total through the trilogy. And then, um, you know, it jumps around in time as well. There are illustrations in the hardcover Mm -hmm. that um, help you keep track of the characters and so on. And there's a map and all that great stuff, right? But structurally, it's a different experience and how it's told because a bard is telling you this story and taking on the seeming of these different characters, their voices and their appearance. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was an attempt on my part to replicate what the experience must have been like for the ancient Greeks who were hearing Homer tell the Iliad and the Odyssey. He would perform for them, you know, doing his epic couplets. Uh, with his little lyre accompaniment, uh, that kind of a thing. So I want to try to update that experience for modern prose audiences. So I had the trilogy always in mind for, for myself here. I don't know you know, what my future career holds, if I'm going to be doing more epic fantasies or anything, but this was always intended to be a trilogy. So in terms of the Iron Druid, though, I had no idea at first how long it would be. But then I did... Uh, figure out after uh, I got my second contract that I wanted it to be nine books because nine is a big deal in Irish mythology. And then I cheated and made a bunch of short stories and novellas. And then uh, it's basically 10. (laughs) I mean, the the Oberon, the Oberon mysteries are the best goddamn extra (laughs) love things that any author has ever given us ever. Oh my God. Thank you. Do you Uh, want, I, do you want to like do a quick sidebar on that? Because I got a new one coming. Sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Let's do it. Um, so this is the, the preview that I was talking about that uh, Luke Daniels did uh, for everybody. Um, I will be having a new Oberon's Meaty Mystery come out early next year. And it is going to be in a, a trio of novellas with Chuck mm-hmm. Wendig and Delilah S. Dawson. We like to do themes, you know, for our little novella collections. We had uh, Cheese Wizards, which is, you know, three <laughs> slices. And then we had Death and Honey for the second one. There was bees in every novella. And this one is called Canines and Cocktails. So <laughs> there you go. You're going to get, you know, stories about dogs and drinks. And uh, mine is called The Chartreuse Chanteuse. And uh, Luke Daniels has already recorded it. It's ready to go. Um, and then Chuck and Delilah have their novellas written, but they're mm-hmm. working on getting the audio done. Mm-hmm. So when we get all of those proverbial ducks in a row, we will be publishing that early next year. And I believe we're going to have a hardcover edition, a limited edition uh, for nice. print come out from Grim Oak Press. Yeah. Very cool. So, Very yeah. Cool. So you get more, Patrick. You're going to get more over on. <laughs> and the, the trilogy of the, the sort of like trifecta of novellas is a fun format too, because I mean, there's there's a Venn diagram that is the readership of of Wendig, Hearn, and Dawson, certainly. Um, and partly, I think that's because you do have a kind of like genetic structure as writers that's a little bit similar. But also, I think it's been cultivated by you being each other's fandom in a lot of ways. And yeah. I'm 
I always think that that's kind of cool when there's a relationship between writers where they just sort of authentically love each other's stuff and and bandwagon for each other. Um, is there like an origin story on that that we can kind of get into? Like once upon a time, back when I still went to cons, a thing happened or? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I met Delilah, for example, uh, sort of by accident. I was doing a I had put together uh, an anthology called Carney Punk, where we were just doing urban fantasy stories set at carnivals because carnivals are dang creepy. Anyway, uh, when I sold this, it wound up the, the publisher who bought it um, said, we're going to fill out the rest of the roster on this book. You've got a few, but we're going to fill it out with folks we like and we want to promote. And Delilah was one of them. So I read her story and I loved it. And I said, wow, you're awesome. Thanks for the awesome contribution to the anthology. And then I wound up getting to meet her when we did a little signing for it uh, in Texas at Houston. So at that point, yeah, we, we just kind of sort of hit it off and, um, you know, be, became friends uh, ever since. So uh, I can't remember exactly how I met Chuck. I that, That's terrible. But I, I met Chuck at some point and uh, we we also hit it off and I've, I've always loved his stuff. And I, I cannot ever write like him. He's just a fantastic, uh, you know, sort of gritty writer and atmospheric very much. And uh, but, you know, we were all kind of interested in the idea of doing a story about cheese wizards. So because, uh, you know, it hadn't been done. We just like doing new stuff. So uh, and then Delilah and I wound up uh, writing three books together because uh, it was like a game of improv. You know, it, mm -hmm. it was so much fun, that whole process. So um, I, I, I do believe that, uh, you know, writing these things together is, is a blast. Um, and I, I look forward to their contributions to it. Uh, Chuck is doing a, a story in, in uh, Canines and Cocktails. His is about Gumball from Wayward. Uh, oh, his, OK. Okay. Yeah, and Gumball's a golden retriever. So, and then uh, Delilah has a pit bull in her stories called Peach Pit. So, uh, yeah, I, I think folks are going to really enjoy this. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. you got you got a Christmas gift all sorted out for for Ronan <laughs> for next year. You just you yeah. know, have Kevin. Read, Kevin doesn't know about Ronan. He hasn't he hasn't met Ronan. Ronan came along long after Kevin left college. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. Ronan's only been with me uh, almost a year now. So, mm -hmm. uh, he did show up here for a second and said hello yeah. and, and then said, screw you guys. I'm leaving. You're boring. Yeah. You people Everything are boring. You boring. You're so <laughs> boring. Why are you just sitting there? We should be doing other things. There's a whole year yeah. in the back. We should be better. <laughs> well, I'm sorry about that sidebar there, but I know we were talking about. No, that. no, that's that's, awesome. I love the sidebar. No. Yeah. 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 I, I always, I, I, I adore those, those meaty mysteries. I, I, it, when, when, it, it's funny because I, I will talk about your stuff and I, I, I always go to, I, I just love to laugh. I do. And Oberon <laughs> cracks me up. Yeah. And, He's and so like, yeah, like he just, he distrusts the squirrels. Well, of course he does because all dogs distrust squirrels. Squirrels are up to something. They are always up to something. Um. So yeah, I just, I just love those. You know, it's, it's <laughs> funny because uh, when Kevin was here in Colorado, I had the opportunity to to hang out with him a couple of times in writerly ways, and mm -hmm. something that he said stuck with me uh, big time. Uh, he was he was giving advice to a lot of writers who were at a a, a conference, and he was he, he said something. And, and and the reason I bring it up is because I feel like 
it, it represents your fiction quite a bit and re represents how you tell stories and how you build your worlds. And you said something along the lines of, you know, we have a lot of bad things in our world and in our history. You don't have to build your fantasy world on those same bad things. You don't have to have racism and slavery and like all the stuff in, that happened in our past. You don't have to have that in your fantasy world. It's your fantasy world. You can do whatever you want with it. You can build it however you want. Yeah. And that just always stuck with me. And yeah. I think that's huge. And, and that's why like w when you, when you hit me with these things, I, I just enjoy them so much. So well, anyway, there's my, there's my love Kevin moment. Well, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the Seven Kennings doesn't have any slavery and there is no sexual assault. And, you know, these are not parts of anybody's storyline or their character development or anything, their, their tragic backstory. None of that is there. And um, yeah, I, I, there's no reason to if, if I'm making if I'm making a fantasy world, then my fantasy okay. is those things don't exist. And I, there's plenty of conflict left over, believe it or not. You know, there's yeah. there's plenty of other things you could do. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a false um, – it's a bit of a false dilemma that people like to set up in the world of genre fiction where they say, well, like, well, well if you don't have these things, then exactly. um, yeah. isn't your world all sort of like unicorns and fluff and whatnot? I'd be like, oh, God, no. Like, there's still so many things that can go wrong once we cordon those other things off and say, I, I don't want to create a space for that in the stories that I'm telling. Yeah, it is actually uh, very anti-colonial, the Seven Kennings. I mean, they're invaded, uh, this this particular continent is invaded on either coast mm -hmm. from, you know, different groups of giants and, who are, you know, basically intent on colonization. So they have to not only fight that off, but then sort of rebuild their their countries and then also consider whether they want to just build the same old stuff or if, hey, is this maybe a chance for us to try something new? And so there's a lot of uh, decisions to be made and lots of uh, some philosophical choices that, you know, sort of, uh, to be made. So uh, political choices. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, had a great time with it. I want to have a completely different kind of writer, writer nerd <laughs> moment here. Um, okay. And this is also rooted in the fact that I am writer nerd who is also English teacher. So sorry, everybody. Nice. And so... I really kind of want to make sure that our audience who's listening to this knows that when we're talking about the, the sort of title of the series, the idea of the seven Kennings, that they know what you mean by a Kenning, because oh. there's a little bit of daylight between like a Kenning in the literary sense versus like the Kenning of, of the Hearn verse here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a, a Kenning is in, in my series is deep magical knowledge of an element. And that is gained often through an act of self. Well, it is gained through an act of self-sacrifice. Uh, for example, if you want the first kenning, which is associated with fire, you have to chuck yourself into an active volcano, you know, just a, a, a lake of lava. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you walk out, you, you've been blessed. If you don't, well, goodbye. And so it is, you know, a, a literal leap of faith that you're going to make it and lots of folks don't. So, uh, but, but those who are blessed, they're, are then, you know, immune to fire and then they have additional abilities beyond that. So that also holds true for wind, for, uh, water, for air, I'm sorry, wind, water, and earth. I'm sorry. And then there's plants and animals. And then the seventh kenning, we don't know what that is yet right away. 
And I will tell you guys a fun little secret. I didn't know what it was either. I named named the whole, you know, series, the seven Kennings and wrote the entire first book without knowing what the seventh Kenning was. Um, Because I just knew structurally when you're storytelling, you're not going to reveal that right away. You'll get to it later. Future Kevin will fix this. This is future Kevin's problem. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like there back there in 2017 going, eh, whatever. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out in 2020 or something. It's fine. I got years. So, uh, yeah, I did eventually figure out what it was. You get a sort of a partial reveal of what's going on with the seventh yeah. king in the blight of black wings. And then you get, you know, the full, uh, you know, all of it in its glory or, or yeah. lack of glory in, uh, in the seven, in the curse of Krakens. So, yeah, it, it's, it, it's funny because, uh, because it happens a lot. I, I was talking to uh, Michelle over at Beyond the Trope, who's working on a book, and she's writing this book, and it's really, really good. And I wish I could talk more about it, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to yeah. talk about things I'm not allowed to talk about. But it's a it's a really good book, and uh, she sent me some pages stuff, and I'm going through it, and and I asked her some questions. She's like, you know, I said, how's it going? Like, are, have you moved forward and this and that? She's like, oh yeah, yeah, I did. But then I had to go back, and when I went back, I came across notes that said, uh, fill this in later. <laughs> like yeah. whole chapter sections like fill this in later it, it's like ah oh, crap and what i don't think this happened to you necessarily but it is, has happened to me it's like you start writing and you go eh, i don't know what this is i'll come back to it and then you go all the way through the end you're like yes i finished it Woo! and you've completely forgotten that there's this little thing somewhere in the middle that says do this later <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. Yep. Then you got to figure it out. I, I often yep. wind up um, basically finishing a draft somewhere in the middle. I've, I've written everything else and uh, something that I skipped has to, you know, be the last thing that I wind up writing. Yeah. Yeah. We need so, that so, connection so, tissue. <laughs> so you, you, you told uh, a little bit about the, the, the books, like what else can you say to get people excited to go out and get this book right now that doesn't spoil everything? Like, You've got um, you've got I, giants. You've got krakens, apparently. Yeah, I have blood cats. I have all kinds of really fun critters in here. Cavern jawed eels. You know, I mean, it, you know, if you like fun critters, I got them for you. Um, then, of course, there are folks who are not all twenty or, or something like that. You know, what I mean, there there's a range of characters and ages. Okay, so you're going to see folks of of all different ages be important narrators. They're all different backgrounds, orientations. You know, th- these are it's a diverse cast of, of, of folks who are dealing with things and it's not, there's no chosen one narrative. Uh, there's no hero's journey. You know, that, that, that is not this, that it's not that kind of thing. I didn't want to um, basically walk the same path that other folks have walked really, really well. You know, like that wouldn't be a, a new contribution if I did, you know, if I followed those patterns. So um, it is, uh, I, I hope, you know, it, maybe the main selling point is it's a new experience in epic fantasy. You you haven't read something like it before. Uh, I'm pretty sure that people are, people are kind of saying that, you know, I've never written yeah. it or read something like this before. So um, I, I hope that the, the novelty might be something that, that makes you want to pick it up. But yes, we have all of these exciting uh, fantasy creatures and giants and uh, you know, magic systems. And uh, we and have maps. Uh, maps. And maps, and then we also have like uh, some some pretty 
uh, deep emotions uh, going on here. We have a, a kind of an extended uh, look at what happens to folks who are victims of trauma or in, in even grief, right? Uh, well, lots of grief because a lot of folks pass away in these invasions. So how do we process that and, and, and deal with it? And there's different ways that people, you know, we have character arcs where some people get stuck in the anger stage of grief and can't get out. And now they're obsessed with revenge and that messes with them in a different way than the folks who are trying to process it uh, in a different way. So um, I've actually had folks uh, come up to me and say, you know, Plague of Giants actually helped me work through some issues, you know, because of someone I lost. And I'm like, that that was an unintended thing. I didn't realize that, that it would be that helpful. Um, but it's gratifying to hear that a story can do that. Um, and, and maybe another tiny sidebar just on, you know, a philosophical thing. Um, I believe that fiction in general – can help us deal with stuff that would be too intense for us to handle straight on otherwise. Like if you've got some sort of problem uh, and and if you imagine it as, you know, a molten ball of steel, fiction is the tongs that allow you to pick that up. And it's just that minimum safe distance that now you can, uh, you know, work with it and and fix it because uh, the fiction gives you some, is kind of your protective gear for you to approach that issue. Um, and if it's not something that's actually troubling you, it's also a way for you to just get some empathy for other folks who are living a different experience than you. So yeah, reading is just Absolutely. the best. Yeah. Because yeah, the, the other way to deal with grief is to become a hermit, get a dog and eat a lot. So yeah. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of the many, many ways that folks deal with it. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. There's Pieces a ton of, of those things I can get down with. Um, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I work at a um, math and science academy as an English teacher. And okay. so one of the um, unusual features of my job that I think I might deal with a little bit more than, than some English teachers in other spaces is kind of having to justify my existence to a certain degree. Because while I, I think for the most part, English teachers are used to people, whether it's parents or administrators or or students rolling their eyes and going, why do we have to read the thing? Like, why does this matter? Um, And kind of believing that there's some like intrinsic utility or holiness to the other classes that they take. I think I get that at a a different level at a school that literally has other disciplines on the marquee and not my own. Um, And so one of the things that I've become accustomed and I'm kind of borrowing some language from one of my colleagues at work who I think has made this this argument very compellingly. One of the things I've become accustomed to responding to when people are like, well, why, why should I do this? Why should I bother? Like, what's the point of, of this enterprise of reading things and talking about them and whatever? It's all just, you know, talking about feelings. Be like, look, view this, you know, fiction is an empathy engine or, yeah. or an empathy workout program. You know, that it's its function is to help you understand people better. And hopefully in the understanding of people better, perhaps even to understand yourself better. Yeah. And that there are relatively few contexts in which you can succeed at being a human where the ability to understand yourself and others better is not going to have real material value of, of some kind. Um so yeah, I mean, it, it, even the idea that yes, we get we get our empathy engines even from places that are full of giants and krakens and and black wings and all sorts of nonsense um, that we can have that come from these spaces with things that aren't real, because 
the feelings are real. The challenges um, at their core, in any case, are still very real. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm grateful all the time when I run into stuff that, you know, written by other folks that are very mm-hmm. different from me. Um, I, in fact, I, I tend to to read books that are not written by guys who look like me. Um, and that way I have, you know, the maximum opportunity to, to grow because, you know, and get some, get some empathy for other experiences. It's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you're done having your big feels and your empathy, uh, you can go to Kevin Hearn's website and check out Oberon's treat shop where you can, <laughs> holy shit, I can order an Oberon plushie who balances a sausage on his nose. Um, yes. I think before we get to the important business of picks of the week, we need to really kind of it, it like, how do where where idea come from? This is genius. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was uh, through World Builders. Um, so the worldbuildersmarket.com has a whole bunch of various merchandise out there. They've got these wonderful stoneware mugs from thir- with uh, Third Eye Books and Herbs stuff on it. And they have Oberon plushies with a little Velcro sausage uh, that you can get. Um, a whole bunch of different things. You should go check it out. Also, they have signed copies of my books there. And if any of you happen to be print enthusiasts who like um, hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, World Builders is currently the only remaining place where you can get signed copies of A Plague of Giants and A Blight of Black Wings, so that you would have hardcovers for the whole Seven Kennings. Yeah, and uh, they've got a you know a bunch of my other books as well. So um, definitely a great place to pick some stuff up for gifts and or for yourself, and all the proceeds you know help out charities, which is great. So nice. yeah. Check that nice. stuff out, y'all. I, I hope you hope you dig it. It's, it's great. I, re, I really appreciate working with them and, and uh, what they offer to folks. Um, so, uh, and it's not just my stuff there. There's a ton of authors who have things there. So, it's a great place to do your your shopping. That is really cool. So, since we're on the positive vibes train here, we want to want to positive vibes our way through some picks of the week. Sure, let's do it. Picks of the week. All right. So, Patrick, how about you? I think I know what it's going to be, but I'm going to ask anyway. Because I won't shut up about it. Because I won't shut up about it. Because I keep talking about it on Facebook and maybe, in the Patreon group maybe, and everywhere. Maybe, everywhere. Because I love it so I hard. I watched the I first want two episodes, two. okay? Even though I'm bad at TV, I watched the first two episodes. Yeah. Blue but now you go- Eye Samurai. Yes. Heck Blue yes. Eye My Samurai. God. So I amazing. Cannot I cannot shut up about this show. Oh my yeah. god! I love. It's they so released. A, they released. Um, there's uh, like the 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 ultimate episode where the samurai gets to the island. They did a special edition of that on YouTube, where it's all in black and white until the weird dreams and visions start, and then some of those are in little bits of color here and there. Oh. This show, I cannot shut up about it. I want everybody to watch it. It is so amazing. It is an amazing show. It's on Netflix. Please go watch it. Please, please, please go watch it. I want season two. Season two has to come. Please go watch yeah. it. Blue Eye Samurai. It is, it is fantastic. I highly agree. Like the whole time, I was like, "How is this this good?" That yeah, I, I did not hear. You know, I didn't hear any hype about it ahead of time or anything like that. I'm just like, nope. just saw the little, uh, you know, the graphic for it on Netflix. I'm like, oh, what's that? And then I start mm-hmm. watching. I'm like, holy crap! The the fight scenes, for example, are ridiculously well animated. And yeah. I, I I'm like, in fact, I, I can't can't remember uh, 
you know, a thing looking so beautiful. And then just, just in general, the painterly quality of the art is fantastic. So I probably the best anime I've seen in, you know, eons. It's great. It's visually gorgeous. It's absolutely yes. gorgeous. Everything, the choreography to your point is gorgeous. No one talked about it. It's, it's not getting a lot of hype. It drives me insane that I go every day and I search for blue eye samurai in my news feeds and no one's freaking talking about it. And I'm like, is this, is this, is this the SAG after thing? Is that why no one's talking about it? like none? But then I went and I did see that like Ming Na was talking about it a little bit on, on Instagram because she plays one of the characters. And I'm like, come on, everybody else, talk about it, talk about it, come on, we got to get people talking about, because I just love it so hard. And Tracy knows, like I, I've mentioned it, uh, oh at yeah, at least a oh, hundred yeah. million times on the Patreon group. I'm like, hey, everybody, go watch this, go watch this, go. Watch. I love it when you talk about what, like, does the last thing that I saw that that reminded me of this as far as quality, quality of storytelling, quality of the animation and the character development, and everything was Arcane. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, League yeah. of Legends. Mm-hmm. Turns out there is supposed to be a season two of that as well. Uh, season one took them six years to make. And they're hoping Ooh. that they can do season two by 2024 and get it out. But like it did take six years to do season one of Arcane. But I, I got I want I want season two so bad. I really do. I really, really do. Oh, it's just such a good show. Yeah. Is that what you thought? Hard it was to be crazy. Is that what you thought? It was I kind of thought so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've been dying to talk about it. I did watch the first two episodes. So, yeah. Awesome. And then I had to go to bed because I was very tired. But, <laughs> but I did like it very, very much. So Good. Yeah. Good. So, Kevin, how about you? What's making you happy these days? I've uh, got a couple. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to throw some, some, some yeah. books out there that I've been reading and I'm excited about. Um, I've uh, been reading The Annual Migration of, of Clouds by Primi Mohammed, which is a novella. And it is uh, a, f- a future dystopian kind of thing, but, uh, you know, based on, uh, you know, a-, a lot of climate disaster stuff basically leading to uh, the end of energy. <laughs> and so folks are back in the dark ages. And then um, also, uh, I'm late to the party, but it's a party still. Uh, Witchmark by C.L. Polk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first book of the Kingston Cycle. It's kind of gaslight fantasy. Um, really enjoying that. And uh, then um, I'm excited, of course, as everyone is, to read the next Murderbot book. Oh, I yeah. just got it. But I'm, I'm going back to the one before. Fugitive Telemetry? Yes. I'm going back to that one yes. first because I believe this one like is immediately after. immediately after. Yeah. And I got to remember. And plus mm-hmm. – I want to have all my sanctuary moon references ready before <laughs> yes, I get a new book. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all caught up on sanctuary moon and the fall of sanctuary moon. So yes. you're so good at TV. You're good at TV. That doesn't even actually exist. I yeah. am. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. I, 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 I freaked out when I saw that that was available for pre-order. I freaked mm-hmm. out. I immediately screenshotted it and I put it on our Patreon group and I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. What about you, Tracy? Um, What's going on with you? So um, it is already terrifyingly more than halfway through November, um, which means that 2023 is just relentlessly plowing towards its end. Uh, And I gave myself as a Christmas gift to myself last year, the delish.com page a day recipe calendar. Um, And I'm not the sort of person who like 
does physical calendars uh, with the exception of like, hey, this is what I have to write down assignments for or whatever. Um, but I have just apps. I love delicious whole recipe thing. Listeners uh, of the podcast know that I'm into cooking and, and making stuff and whatnot. And the idea that like every day I could get a little new tidbit was very exciting to me. And I've been so delighted by the quality of the recipes that I've had and how many of them are in addition to not being huge reaches for the ingredients or the techniques or anything like that are just nailed it great recipes to serve to my family and to friends and they scale great and all of that stuff that I have already pre-ordered my 2024 uh, page a day recipe calendar from delish.com. So it is a 25 bucks I will not regret having spent. Um, and plus 2024 is a leap year. So you will get 366 recipes, not just 365. That's a bargain, friends. It, and you mean they don't charge you any more for that extra recipe? They sure don't. Um, well, yeah. That's a remarkable deal, Tracy. How can it I get is. that now? <laughs> In another life, my friend, you were on HGTV. Yeah, right. Great enthusiasm over a cubic zirconia necklace. <laughs> <laughs> Do you All mean right. that was pressed by the same geological forces as regular diamonds? Huh. No, that's <laughs> so so Kevin, this year I I dipped my toe in because I, I went ahead and well, I went all in. I bought a smoker. Oh, you did? Okay. So I could so I could because I like to I like to grill, I like to do stuff outside. So I, I wanted a smoker. So I got a smoker. It dawned on me literally three days ago. I can smoke a turkey for Thanksgiving. You can. You can. Are you gonna? I am on the fence. I am on the fence. Don't threaten me with a good time. I am on the fence. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm on the fence. I have not. I have to go today if you're afraid it's too much. I have to go to the store today to get stuff for Thanksgiving. Otherwise, I Mm -hmm. won't be able to. Uh, And I'm on the fence. I was thinking about that actually, Tracy, getting getting a a little turkey to do in the oven and getting like a turkey breast as a test and and do the smoker. Because we're supposed to have nice weather as well. Imagine the sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. I I I think this is uh, you know you guys. I've already had my Thanksgiving up here in in Canada. Right. Yeah. So uh, a bizarre thing that you know that I like to do now that I'm up in Canada is whenever there's a big holiday in the United States. I will find an excuse, manufacture one if necessary, to go to the bank. Because the banks in Canada are open on the days that they're closed in the United <laughs> States. And I just really like, you know, the incongruity of, of, of being somewhere that uh, somebody That's can't American go. Thanksgiving, time to go do a transaction. That's right. You, <laughs> I will go get, you know, I don't know, I'll just withdraw $20, whatever. I'll go to the teller and do it because I can. It's Drunk a weird power. <laughs> yeah, a, a, just a weird, perverse thing that I've started to do, uh, you know, while I'm living up here. It, it amuses me for some reason. But I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. That's great. Thank you. I hope you had a great, great Thanksgiving. It was and, lovely. Well, well, people are busy being thankful for things. We're very thankful that, that you're back uh, with the end of your trilogy. We didn't even have a chance to talk about the other things that are coming down for the Pike. You teased, you teased more Oberon Mysteries, but there is, of course, the question of navigation coming up. Your first science fiction. Oh, it's um, already out. Coming out. Oh, it is. I thought it was from January. Or am I like a year behind already? Oh, no. That, that's, that's been out for a couple of years. Uh, oh, question of navigation. Yeah. 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 So yeah, we've that- got... There's plenty of stuff in the Hernverse uh, for people to to look <laughs> into. So 
All right. Well, it's been awesome having you. Remember, folks, um, that in addition to supporting your local bookstores, that if you want to fill out your Seven Kennings trilogy of hardbacks in signed form, that you can get that taken care of at kevinhearn.com. Um, and of course, also just support your local bookstores. It'd be super awesome. Uh, where can people find you on the interwebs uh, these days in this toxic social media universe? <laughs> yeah, besides uh, besides kevinhearn.com, uh, where you can always email me if you want to. I'm just kevin at kevinhearn.com. Um, I'm at kevinhearn on Instagram. And then I'm also on Blue Sky if you guys are there. Um, I'm also on Mastodon, though it's you know a little bit harder to find things there. It's it's, it's a I can't really navigate it as well. It's but, federated. Uh, I don't know what that yeah. means, but it's federated. So, so anyway, I, I I do have a you know it, basically I, I update my Instagram pretty much every day uh, with something or other. If it's not book stuff, then it's bird stuff or tacos or whatever. <laughs> so Some really uh, great pictures of birds. Really, really good. Yeah. 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 Thank you. It's it's it, it's my happy place now. I've it's become my hobby. So uh, I get out of the house and walk around and shoot pictures of whatever I see. So it, it's lovely. Nice. So yeah, um, that's where to find me. And uh, I I'm so grateful to y'all for for having me. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to have you. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening. It's a great time of year to read a book like Kevin's completed trilogy. Since we're between Star Trek and Star Wars and Marvel shows, assuming, of course, that you've already watched Blue Eye Samurai, and if you haven't, are you trying to kill me, Todd? Are you? Go check out Giles and Michelle over at Beyond the Trope. They have a podcast. We have a podcast. It's like they're copying us. Except they probably aren't. Right? They have new episodes on Tuesdays. Hey. Nah, just go listen. Beyond the Trope, Giles and Michelle, check them out. If you like what we do here, please visit patreon.com slash functional nerds and become one of our backers there. We have stuff, extra episodes, secret Facebook group. Check it out. It's worth your time. Now, listen. I know I talk a lot about rules regarding food around here, maybe a little bit more on Facebook, but don't let that stop you from signing up. What actually qualifies as barbecue, things like how adults aren't allowed to put ketchup on hot dogs because it's gross, and everyone knows you use ketchup on beans and cornbread to piss off your mother and your grandmother, how pizza toppings go under the cheese, and never pineapple, ever. But I feel like it's my civic duty, as this episode closes, to mention that you should never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, ruin your yams by smothering them in disgusting marshmallows. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? Okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, I really love what you do," I'm like. I'm sorry. Do you know who I like? 
I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.